0: Hi, friends, I'm Katie Brinkley, and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. With nearly two decades helping business owners, consultants, and coaches with their digital marketing, I know that social media can be an incredible tool to grow your business when you know how to do it the right way. And that's what we're going to do today. I teach you how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship and digital marketing, and hopefully you'll grow your business with a few great tips you wouldn't have known otherwise, and maybe even discover a great local business you love. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. I'm really excited to bring you all this week's guest because we're going to talk some Enneagram. And this is something that I feel has gotten a lot more traction and a lot more well-known Maybe maybe I just was the only one that was living under a rock. But during the pandemic was when I started hearing all this different Enneagram talk. And I was like, what is everybody talking about? Enneagram. But once I learned about it, I was a believer and I got very, very interested in it. So this week's guest is Margot Zayer, and she is a life empowerment and relationship coach. And she she specializes in helping women break free of unhealthy patterns. Shifting their fear into confidence and reclaiming their power so that they can manifest their dream lives and relationships. Uh, Margo also holds a master's in psychology is a certified life coach and an Enneagram, Enneagram coach and hypnotherapist. She's also from here. She's from the Denver area. So I love bringing in my Denver business owners to, to talk, you know, a little bit more about what life is like here in Colorado and why they decided to go down the entrepreneur journey. But before we get into that, Margo, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week.
1: Katie, thank you so much for having me as your guest. I'm super excited to speak about this topic because I adore the Enneagram. It's been one of my passions for about 20 years.
0: Well, And we've had, my goodness, now it's so you say that and now I'm like, I obviously was living under a rock because I didn't hear about it until the pandemic. But we've had this we've had this call on the books for, man, I want to say months now. And when I saw my calendar today and I was like, oh, I finally get to talk some Enneagram, I got really excited because like I said, it was something I had never really heard about. But once I learned my Enneagram type so much about the way that I do business and the way that I communicate with, you know, not just clients and customers, but with my friends, my spouse, my family, everything. I, I felt like I got reintroduced to myself. So before we go into too much more about the Enneagram and how excited I am about it, just tell us a little briefly, you know, what you, you said, you've been doing this for 20 years now. Has the Enneagram really been around for, for over 20 years?
1: You know, it's been around
0: a very, very
1: long time. In fact, Enneagram, Ennea, E-N-N-E-A, gram. for those who don't know what we're saying, um, Ennea means nine in Greek. And it goes back, way back to the philosophers, Greek philosophers, back to Aristotle and Socrates. And they, back then, actually were typing the world and seeing the archetypal energies in the world around us. And, And they labeled this as the Enneagram. So it's actually very ancient. And it wasn't though until I would say the 80s and 90s and 2000s that we started applying this that became more commonplace to apply the Enneagram and actually sort of develop a system around our behaviors as human beings. And that's called, you know, the Enneagram of personality. Yet that's very misleading because it's not actually about personality and the outward behaviors because what makes the Enneagram so amazing is that it really helps you get to those. Core drives those motivations, those fears that actually drive almost subconscious behaviors that hold us back in the world.
0: Well, and Margot, I I get like you said, I I obviously was under a rock, but I've seen it more Enneagram type uh, conversation. I mean, obviously, I feel like it's all over the place over on Instagram and. I feel like it's kind of taken the place from a lot of those like DISC assessments. So just quickly, because that's what some people might be more familiar with is the DISC assessment. Just explain to us really quickly how the Enneagram is different than maybe doing a DISC assessment.
1: Okay, I actually used to do the DISC assessment early on, so I know a lot about the DISC. And so when you do the DISC, you're really measuring outward behaviors, like how you look. Basically, you are going to go through and kind of describe yourself with adjectives in different ways. And you will get a a very good representation, I think, of who you are and how you appear in the outer world, kind of what you're doing in the outer world and how you show up. And, And so that's great. And I do think the DISC has a lot of value. And the Enneagram really operates in a more, I would say, subconscious realm, It's really that we have each of the nine types, and we're going to go through those quickly today, but each of the nine types have something they're trying to avoid at all cost. It's this thing that they're like, I don't want to face that or see that or experience that. And because of that thing they're trying to avoid, it actually creates certain behavior patterns in the outside world. It it motivates you to do things a certain way and behave a certain way because you don't want to face this or experience this thing. And because of that, that's actually what holds a lot of people back from success in the world is those underlying, almost hidden drives and motivational behaviors.
0: And, and I think that, like I said, during the introduction, I felt like I got reintroduced to myself once I, once I learned my Enneagram. I was like, oh, that's why I'm like squirrel syndrome it's, it's just part of who I am. So let's, let, is, can we dive right on into some yes. of the different types right now? So, because I mean, mm-hmm. there's nine types and right. it's not as simple as that, but let's, let's go into the nine different types of Enneagrams that, that there are.
1: Yeah. And, and how the kind of the focus that we were going to take today is, is to focus on how these nine types show up and specifically the kind of the sabotaging behavior that holds us back in that, in each type. Like what holds us back from moving forward, being more successful, doing those things you really want to do. You know, is a business owner, you know, in your career, whatever area of your life, you're like, why am I not doing those? Why am I not showing up the way I want to show up? So that's sort of the the focus because we could speak about the Enneagram for days and years, days.
0: honestly. For real. Yeah. And 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 I'm I love that we're gonna go down the self the self-sabotage kind of route because that was one of the uh, Enneagram seven right here. I'll just put that out there. I, I mean, how seven? When you said
1: squirrel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you knew right away. I but knew right anyway, I've been wanting to get a course out for two plus years. And every time I sit down to do it, I mean, like, I, I know I'm like, why am I not getting this done? And I, it's definitely built into a lot of the, the Enneagram seven types. So, so let's start with the self-sabotage that type ones might be doing. Yeah, So the
1: type one is known as the perfectionist. They're really about they have to do everything the right way and they want to avoid being seen as bad or doing the wrong thing at all costs. So making those mistakes. So obviously what they're doing when they're sabotaging is they won't try something new unless they think they can do it exactly perfectly. So they avoid a lot of opportunities and come along because they're like, well, what if I make a mistake? What if people see me as doing the wrong thing? And so they're constantly in this, in this kind of battle of like, I want to do this thing, but what if I mess up? And so it keeps them in a smaller box than they would otherwise be because of that perfectionist desire.
0: All right. So any ones, the perfectionist, somebody that wants to they're not getting it done because it's, it's never going to be perfect. All right, let's move into Enneagram two. So that's considered or called a caretaker
1: by many people on the Enneagram route. And basically they're all about focusing on other people. They don't want to appear selfish or really have too many needs. And so how they sabotage is that they focus on other people, people pleasing, saying yes to a lot of other things people are asking of them. And so They have no time for themselves, no time to say yes to themselves and to actually do the things they want to do in their life because they're so busy taking care of other people. And they're doing this right
0: there, Margo, because I guarantee you there's a lot of moms (laughs) listening to this right now. They're like, I must be an Enneagram too, then, because I'm always running kids here and I'm trying to do this and I'm doing that. So I must be an Enneagram too." So I guess how well and we're going to get into this, too, but. There's a lot of things where certain Enneagrams, I'm like, well, I, I identify with that. Well, I identify with that. How can someone who's listening right now really make sure that they are the Enneagram that they are? Because I do feel like there's a lot of traits between the nine that kind of cross over.
1: You know, honestly, this, is, this takes a lot of some deep exploration because you're right. There are some, some similar traits, like the two and the nine have some similarities. We can talk about that. And what's important, I think, is to get support. I do Enneagram typing sessions to help people really get clear, to get what the core is. Um, But it's really the reason you're doing a, a specific type of behavior. So, for instance, if you're doing for a two, and you can kind of check in yourself if you think you might be a two, the reason you're taking care of other people is because you seriously think that the only way to really get love And to be loved is if you take care of somebody else. They're going to give you love in exchange. So the martyrdom syndrome shows up there. There's this feeling of like, well, what about me? You didn't give me the kind of love and attention I wanted. Can you assume the other person's going to do this? A partner, a friend. And so if you get into that martyrdom syndrome, you may have core two behaviors. Now, we have to remember, for those of you who are new to the Enneagram, that you also have what's called wings. So, for instance, if you are a core type two, you would wing out to one or three. The numbers on each side of you, you could have one of those wings. And those also definitely impact your behavior patterns and your motivations.
0: So, number one is the perfectionist. Number two is, did you say the giver or the people pleaser? Caretaker, caretaker, helper. Cool. Let's move on to number three.
1: So, that's the achiever. Um, that's the one that's going after being really recognized for all these great achievements, for being successful in the world. They are—they tend to be entrepreneurs and like really go for it in life. And so, there's a real paradox actually with the type three when it comes to sabotaging because they are getting stuff done. They're the the person that if you want something to get done, give it to a three. But the paradox in the three is that they spend so much time taking care of really making things happen that they don't take care of themselves. And so a lot of threes get burned out. They can actually get physically sick and drain their own energy. And so the the sabotage actually comes from not taking care of themselves and focusing so much on getting things done on tasks.
0: That's a big challenge. I'm thinking of a friend right now that must be an Enneagram three. (laughs) All right. So let's move on to number four. Okay. So the four is called Enneagram four. Yes. I mean, I say type I'd say type four type. There we go. There we go. Um,
1: So it's the individualist. And so basically, their whole focus in life is to be unique and special and seen as unique and special. They want to be recognized for this. And they don't want to be considered ordinary. What they're trying to avoid at all costs is being seen as ordinary. So the paradox that happens for them is that They have this beautiful, like maybe unique talents. A lot of them are very creative, very talented human beings, but they're afraid to actually put their talent fully out in the world because they're afraid of being rejected by others for their uniqueness. They're like, well, nobody can really understand me. I'm so unique. Nobody's ever really going to get me. And so they don't, that's their paradox is that they won't actually put themselves out in the world fully because they're afraid of this rejection. Nobody's ever going to really get me is one of their beliefs that that's operating.
0: So with all these different Enneagram types, it sounds like there's a lot of people, but the, of the four that we've gone over so far, it seems like we're either trying to be perfect. There's people that are trying to be perfect that are self-sabotaging. People are, are trying to be people pleasers. They're self-sabotaging. Let's move into type number five.
1: Okay. So the, the type number five it's really the expert the one that needs to be the expert at all costs. And so really what the five does is they seek knowledge to feel safe. And so the, the paradox in the five is that they won't go out in the world and really share their knowledge and show up unless they feel like they really are the expert, that they know everything about that topic because knowledge is safety for them. The thing about it though, is you can't fully learn anything unless you actually experience it, unless you get you know hands-on experience. And so that limits them from going out and doing a lot of different things because they're like, well, I don't have enough knowledge. Well, they can't get the knowledge because they, they don't have the experience and they have to start somewhere. So that's the paradox of the five. The with, way they sabotage. With,
0: with number fives, I mean, it almost sounds like uh, people are, who, are, who are Enneagram fives, they're never going to be able to get to that next step because they'll never really know enough. Is that something that tends to happen for people who are Enneagram fives are they're not going to the next step with their career, whether they're in corporate or whether, let's say they want to launch a course, but they haven't launched yet. Cause like, well, there's still people out there that know more than me. So I have to keep learning. Is that one of the, the biggest sabotages that you see with fives?
1: Yeah. And it's analysis paralysis, basically getting so much into the analysis of it, the data, the figures, the like. I have to know everything. And maybe going after, also going after more classes, getting a master's in this, getting a master's in that, getting certified in this, spending all your time becoming super knowledgeable, but not applying any of it. Um, So staying in either this ivory tower place, which is like, well, I know everything anyway. I have it all mastered, but they don't really want to share it. Or they may just share a, a little bit of it in very specific situations. So when I work with five, it's really about, helping them get out into the world and just take a step outward more because they're very, they tend to be introverted and kind of stay in their own kind of almost hermit-like environment. Like in a library, think of them in a library or in like a science lab. They tend to be scientists really diving deep. One of their benefits of them, I'm getting excited, is that they research things and they also are able, their mind is like a laser. They're able to go really deep and get like amazing new discoveries. They discover a lot of the fives, A lot of our discoveries are because of fives, actually, who've spent a lot of time analyzing things.
0: So we're getting into the final three Enneagram types here. Talk to us about type number six. Oh, no. no, Yeah, four. Sorry. Talk to us about type number six.
1: (laughs) Okay. So the type number six is really their their biggest challenge is self-doubt, not trusting themselves. So what they do, they tend to operate in asking for a lot of advice, asking for feedback, asking for support. Well, that sounds lovely. One of the big challenges, though, is if you ask a lot of people's opinions about things, you get a lot of different answers. So a lot of the sixes I'm working with, they like start going over here and they start going over here because everybody's like, this would be a better idea. You should actually do this course instead. You should do that course. So asking for too much advice for other people's input before you're solid in who you are and what you really want to do is a challenge of the six. So they tend to procrastinate and go in circles. There's a lot of spinning happening.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm very well versed in the next type, Enneagram seven. And (laughs) um, I, I honestly, like I was going back and forth. I didn't know for sure if I was a seven or a nine, but I, I don't know, maybe, you know, I need to take your test here. Um, but <laughs> I think that it it, it can, because a lot of this stuff, like I said earlier, I feel like, oh, I I identify with that. Or, oh, I, I see that, you know, handicap with me sometimes, or I see myself doing that sometimes. It does help sitting down with an Enneagram coach and, and taking these tests to really figure out what Enneagram type you are. Because once you you do, you can try to over, like, hey, I'm putting up this this barricade that I'm, I'm preventing myself from getting to the next step. Why, what am I and it, and it? You can rethink, change your frame of thinking. So, so let's talk about my favorite, the Enneagram seven.
1: Yes. Okay. So it can be a lot of people call it the enthusiast. So basically their focus is about really the new, the different, um, the adventure of life, the juiciness of life, the joy of life, it's actually a very that's a very beautiful energy but one of the big challenges when it comes to accomplishing and getting your goals done is that squirrel thing oh look at that new shiny object what an exciting new thing I could do there's a ton of possibilities that come to a seven ooh I could do that I could do this I could do that and so what happens to them is instead of being able to stop and really focus on one activity one project long enough to master it to really Get to completion, they go after a new task, and so they become very scattered, and their sense of accomplishment is pretty low in some areas, depending on the level of scatteredness. So their big challenge is actually just going after the new shiny thing that's how they sabotage themselves, constantly starting a new a new project and get going after a new idea that's kind
0: of the seven with a probably lot of enthusiasm why have, Probably why I have four podcasts, Margot um, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of them still on. All of them, you can listen to episodes, but definitely got us. It's almost turning into a problem with the amount of podcasts that I have. I,
1: I relate. I relate, Katie, because I'm actually a six with a seven wing. My seven wing. Sometimes people have very strong wings. I have a very strong seven wing, and I've also been played by this challenge myself.
0: <laughs> it's it's it is a problem. It is a problem. Um, but all right. So two more. Enneagrams eight.
1: Okay, so the eight. You know. Is it has a very strong energy. Um, basically, they are the ones that know where they want to go, they're dominant, they're, they dominate, and they are the ones that are basically the natural leaders um, of the Enneagram. But the big problem is that they go forth, they're like, I have the right strategy, I want people to follow me, and they're very, they can become steamrollers. So, the problem that the way they sabotage themselves actually is just like, Well, I'm the only one who really knows where we should be going or how we should be getting there. And so they missed out on collaboration, on the, the benefit from working from, with a team, from getting other people's input. And so it's really kind of my way or the highway energy sometimes when you're unhealthy in the eight, because all of these have healthy or unhealthy levels of expression. But I'm saying that's one way you can sabotage yourself as an eight. It's just be like, well, I'm just going to do this myself and I don't need anybody else.
0: And I think that with Enneagram 8s, this is one that I have i feel like for me and my circle of my network and friends, I haven't run into very many 8s. Um, do, do you tend to see like there's a mass amount of 7s out there or there's uh, actually, Katie, almost, you know, 90% of the population is an 8. Is there tend to be like kind of numbers like this with what's working or what's more common in the Enneagram world?
1: Yes, um, my experience and belief, you know, of course I don't have the gospel on it, but is that there are the the most ones that show up are a lot of sixes, ones, sevens, and fours. Those are the ones that I see the most show up. We have a lot of threes also in our society because our society, in my opinion, societies also have numbers. Our societies have been operating a lot in the three, like achieve, achieve, achieve. And then it actually shifted to six. Let's all stay safe and secure. The six is a lot, but let's stay safe and secure. Let's protect ourselves. Let's create strategies for being prepared. So I feel like we've been a three and then maybe now a six society. I think actually, and there's a lot of nines too that I run across. So basically the three, six, nine, and the ones, there's a ton of those. But the ones I don't see very much of at all are actually the eights and not as as many twos either. So I think the reason is that um, uh, most of the time, the eights aren't very, they're very high achievers too. And they're, and they're in these very strong leadership positions, like the president of something, of a corporation, of a country. They naturally rise to these leadership positions and probably it would be challenging if we had a ton of them. We would, there'd be a lot of craziness going on. So naturally, I just don't think we have as much in the population, or maybe I just don't meet as many eights.
0: And and I think it's interesting um, how certain job types tend to be certain Enneagram types. Um, and hopefully we'll have enough time in this episode to kind of dive into that too. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about Enneagram 9.
1: Yes. Okay. So the, they're known as the peacemakers and they're trying to avoid conflict at any cost. Basically, they're like, I don't want conflict with you. I need to, so what they do is they actually dim their light and they play pretty small because they're afraid that, well, I might rock the boat. If I show up too much and ask for my needs and go after what I really want, somebody might get mad at me. I might have some conflict. And so they actually do this like playing small and they almost, some of them disappear into the couch. They kind of, I look at them as like, they almost disappear because they don't want anybody to notice them too much. Because what if a conflict arose? So that's basically what happens. They're the type, unfortunately, also they get into this passive aggressive behavior where they say yes to something because they're afraid of saying no and then they don't follow through on it. That's the other way that they sabotage.
0: Oh man, so many ways that we are just our own biggest uh, hurdles <laughs> right. in life here. So right. with all of these different Enneagram types, how, how can we put... What we know, so let's say we we head on over to your website uh, and 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 do a, book a call with you to see what type of enneagram we are. We learn that we are a seven. How can we use the knowledge of what enneagram type we are to stop holding ourselves back really like I said I've been trying to get this course done for two years now, and i obviously I have time. I obviously have time cause I'm on this podcast and then I'm, I'm guesting on three others on a weekly <laughs> basis.
1: Right. How,
0: and, and that's my self-sabotage. So how right. can I take what I know about my Enneagram type to stop sabotaging my own business journey, my own, my own personal journey?
1: Well, this is a big question, and there's a couple different ways of going about it, or, or I think that actually you can do it all together almost. One is the enneagram, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a, it is a diagram. like it's an image, a picture, and if we had a picture, it might be good to, to show it. But what each type has what's called an integration point and a disintegration point, or can also be known as a growth point or a stress point? So one of the things that I work with my clients on, first of all, is understanding what your growth point is and where you want to focus your energy to grow in your number, to have your highest potential expressed in the world. That's a very important thing to learn about your type. How do you actually, what is the, where is your growth point? And why do you, and what are the actual activities you can put into your day-to-day life to strengthen your growth point? And then how do you avoid the stress point? The point that if you go into this point when you're stressed, you're actually going more and more into some unhealthy behavior patterns that will hold you back. So that's actually just working with the Enneagram. So for instance, for the seven, the seven really needs to move into the five. I mean, it's its integration point is the five. And so what's interesting about that, the part that's helpful is that the sevens is very outward energy, right? You're all about, oh, I want new experiences. Let's go after that juiciness, possibilities. And the five is a very inward energy. It is all about sitting and getting clarity on what really is my truth. And so like the five, you can think of it almost as the seven needs to slow down and actually go inside and get clarity on what really is, what's really happening here, what's my truth. Slowing down for a seven is a very scary experience. They have to face fear because what is really running the seven is fear. They're afraid if they slow down, they would actually feel the fear, the pain of existence. Because basically, a seven's always trying to be happy. Everybody's trying to be happy, but the seven's really trying to focus on the positive, focus on the happy. We don't want to be bogged down by that painful thing, those painful things. And so that keeping busy is keeping them from feeling the fear of, oh my gosh, I might feel pain. I might feel something I don't like to feel. And so... Um, I can touch on this two ways. One is going to that integration point and really learning how to embrace some of the positives of the five, which is going inward and being quiet and, being, and doing that meditative and slowing down and focusing on kind of gathering some facts and clarity before moving forward on, on something, really slowing the whole thing down. But then this goes to what I'm actually going to be offering, Katie, and I'm super excited about this, is little mini workshops three hours where we focus on one number. Everybody who's a seven shows up, for instance, and we focus on that seven because at the core of each one is basically this belief, this fear that they're trying to avoid. And the only way to actually transform that is to do a process and a series of processes, perhaps sometimes, not saying one process is enough, but it will start shifting where you actually go to what I call the seed experiences, what were those experiences that actually started you on the route to to adopt this strategy to survive in the world? Because really the Enneagram is a coping mechanism. It's what you do under stress to survive, to be, you know, hopefully to thrive. You think you're going to thrive with the strategy because we really think there's a great thing about like a seven. There's a great thing about all this opportunity and being adventurous and having fun, but there's a drawback. And so Basically with the sevens, it would be really facing that fear, being able to slow down and face the fear of like, okay, what if I stopped? What if I felt some of the pain
0: that might be in there? I said yeah, a lot. That's a, I know that's a mic drop moment right there, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, um speaking directly to me on that one and too. And and, and I think that too, it's It is true because while you were speaking, I'm like, yeah, you know, I found what when I there's in my office here. So I have there's a meditation room. So for those watching on YouTube, you can see where I'm pointing, but there's a meditation room literally five feet from my office door. And about a year ago, I was taking not regular, but I mean, like I was taking committed 10 minute breaks uh, once a day to go in there and shut my eyes and kind of recharge. And I was doing a lot of, it was pure, you know, pandemic time. We were in there, you know, like everything was zoom and it was really mentally and and physically draining on me to be on all these zoom calls. And I found I got so recharged and so invigorated just by taking that 10 minute break. I, I, I wasn't in there doing any mantras or, or, but I was just stopping and you were saying all that, Margot, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I haven't done that in a long time. Mm. And why? Why have I stopped doing that? And sh- you know, obviously, it was helping me as as a business owner. It was helping me recentered, and you know, all of that. And it is taking those things that we know that okay, so this is why I'm continuing to do that. How can I? How can I make myself better and m- make it not a handicap anymore and make it a superpower? You know, make what type of enneagram I am my superpower. Totally. So yeah, for me, it's not about
1: like trying to get out of your number and saying, Oh, I, sh- I need to change my number, get rid of this number. Really, it is about making a superpower and going to the highest level of expression in that, in that type and focusing on your natural gifts and abilities. I think all nine types have natural gifts and abilities to shine in the world. And if if they can if they can really work to eliminate the sabotaging part, to eliminate the part that's holding them back, then they can shine more of those gifts for others.
0: Really, it's, it's, it's uh, as we were talking earlier, but it's basically reprogramming yourself to having this empowering belief, regardless of what Enneagram type you are, taking the things that might be your handicap and, and making them your superpower. So hey, go ahead. And it's actually not as complicated as it sounds. I mean, most people discover that.
1: Um, I'll give you some personal examples. And that maybe that this will help an, understand what I'm talking about by the seed experience. Because basically, it's not just one seed experience, but it's a tie, a couple experiences in your life where you decided this is the best coping mechanism. I better do this to stay, you know, to stay OK, to stay safe or whatever it was. So, for instance, in my childhood, I had some very scary exp- experiences. We had the Ku Klux Klan literally start a fire on our front yard. I had experiences of them you know, like shooting BB guns at our house. Like there were literally moments where there was intense you know, fear. And so of course, one of my strategies as a six, right? The six is basically all about needing to stay safe, needing to make sure that they have everything prepared, handled, that they have the that they're, they they can handle anything that happens, the worst case scenario. That is a lot of six energy in the negative side is planning for a worst case scenario. Well, of course you would do that if you learn young that there could be worst case scenarios, right? That there could be scary moments. So you'd like, I better get planned. I better, you know, I better be strong. I better be responsible. And there also can be very responsible sixes. But the great thing about a six is even if they have a lot of fear, they can step into huge amounts of courage and they can be super courageous. In fact, the most courageous people we, I think we have in our society are type six on the Enneagram. They tend to be firefighters. They tend to be police officers. The ones that really go for it are actually sixes. So it's very fascinating.
0: Well, I think that one of the, what I want to do now is uh, take your test. So tell us where we can go to, to take our test to make sure that we are the Enneagram that we think we are.
1: Okay. So first of all, there are opportunities on the internet to take tests with the Enneagram. And I, you can go and check them out. I actually don't do it that way because I believe that, well, first of all, about 80% of people I've ever run across or maybe 60, depending on the situation, tend to mistype themselves. They get the type that's either right next to them or the type they slide to. I mistyped myself. I thought I was a three originally, and I'm a six. My mother mistyped herself. My husband mistyped himself. Like, I have it surrounding me. One of the reasons is, is when you take a test, you don't have anybody there that just is able to ask you those deeper questions to say, where does it actually come from? Why are you operating this way? And so I've been trained in a basically a 90-minute process that goes very deep where I ask very specific questions, um, step-by-step process in 90 minutes that does two things. It helps both of us, not just me, but you, the one I'm doing the typing with, get to this aha moment of like, oh my gosh, that is me. That's what I want for you is that that's me. Mm-hmm. And it helps you understand all the other nine types. So instead of it just being some number that's thrown out there, I do it in this container where afterwards you're like, oh, I understand who I am and kind of how I'm different and relate to the other types, which allows you to also do something I love with Enneagram, to start developing this ability to get why you're so different than somebody else. And I think one of the reasons we may judge other people is because we don't understand their type. And when we're able to think, oh, that's just that they're a type five just, and I'm a yeah, type yeah. seven, judgment falls away. Yes.
0: So where do we go? Tell us how
1: to get there. Tell us how to okay. get you.
0: Tell us all the <laughs> so, things.
1: Yeah. So you can go to my
0: website, margozair.com.
1: It's how my name is spelled right there on the screen, dot com. Um, and just there's a there's a link there that says the Enneagram. You can read about the Enneagram there. And I offer different kinds of typing sessions. So um, for individuals, I offer a two session package or four session package. And for couples, I love this. I also do typing for each person in the relationship, in the couple. And then I do. Show you how your natural watchouts are for each other and your natural support, how you naturally support each other, and then how you can use that more effectively to enhance communication, enhance connection, and to really bring your relationship to a different level. So the best way to get a hold of me is to either just go on the website or to send me an email, margozayer, margo at margozayer.com. And I have a contact form on my email that you can just set up. And I always like to, that's why I don't have, you can't just sign up for an ingrap typing session. I like to chat with people beforehand to make sure that we're on the same page, that I can really help you and that this is something you really want to do. And I'm offering to anybody who's listening to this podcast, a $50 discount off my normal, you know, one person typing session or couples typing session. If you wish, I would love to do a typing session for you.
0: And you'll find those links, I
1: think, in the show notes, right? They'll
0: all be in the show notes and absolutely take her up on that because yeah, Like she said, you can take a, an Enneagram test online, but um, it it helps to to work with someone directly, especially someone like you, Margo, that that's been trained in it. I can't yeah. thank you enough. I want to have you come back on and we can dive into more ways of like Enneagrams, you know, business, like what types of. Enneagrams are typically like entrepreneurs and which ones are doing this. Right. Man, that's a whole nother episode. I love
1: that too. And also how to
0: use the, how to
1: use it in a team
0: environment is, is also a really fun Man, thing to look think at. About. All right. So I I see another another episode with Margot coming up here soon, but I can't thank you enough for coming me, coming with me on the show today. This has been a fantastic discussion. Thank you again for joining me.
1: Thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate it. It's been super fun.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Make sure to subscribe so that you can continue navigating the world of entrepreneurship. And I'd love to hear from you. Please leave the show a review and connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Katie Brinkley, or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you're ready to start making some sales on social media, be sure to grab my free guide to selling in the DMs without being spammy. You can get that at katybrinkley.com. Let's keep taking your marketing to all new heights.